Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Flyers gave a valiant effort but ran out of gas in Game 7. The Phillies made a run, but their bullpen is still lousy. I don't know what's going on there. The Eagles kick off this season. Uh, this weekend, uh, we have predictions to make along with uh, some fantasy football. Did we mention the Sixers have some coaching rumors running around? And our Philly Press Box Hall of Fame broadcaster voting is still in progress. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, in other words, Bill, much to discuss. And let me just say this up front as great as that Flyers game six overtime win was last Thursday, that's how bad and disappointing game seven was. We'll discuss that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, they ran out of legs and, uh, but what are you going to do? Was, yeah. But you know what, Chet? Phillies. The Phillies, Phillies, Phillies are a game and a half out of first place somehow. With the worst bullpen ever put together, it looks like. Uh, thought they they might they made some moves. Maybe things are going to get a little bit better. Uh, not so fast. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, they're they're hanging in there. They're in contention. They're in second place. Boy, if they had a bullpen, they'd be running away with the division, but we'll talk about that. Yep. Well, we got a couple of great guests tonight in Inquire.com. Philly's beat writer, Bob Brookover. I guess he's a beat writer still when you don't go on the road with the team, but we're going with that. And we'll have the voice of the Eagles, the legendary Merle Reese in the second half. We're going to put Merle on the back burner, make you wait for our chat with the legendary radio voice of the Eagles because we have our birds season preview plus Freddie Burns and fantasy football talk uh, in the second half of the show. But we're going to talk baseball first, Bill. Let's get it going. Let's talk about it. Let's welcome Bob Brookover back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, welcome. Tell us about this bullpen mess. (laughs) Uh, The bullpen is a giant mess <laughs> uh as you guys just just alluded to you thought they fixed some problems matt clintack he, he made some trades early getting brandon workman uh heath henry and and david hale on the 21st of august uh i think the, the era was seven nine something right around then it's improved only slightly and they've added david 
Phelps uh, right on trade deadline day, uh, right before the trade deadline was up. And you thought, you know, these guys have proven track records. Uh, but for some reason, they've come here and unfortunately, they fit right into the bullpen. Yeah, we've all seen the tweet last night that Corey Seidman put out there. The four new guys that uh, Matt Klintak acquired, Workman, Phelps, Hale, and Hembry, have given up 10 home runs and 18 earned runs in 21 and a third innings. I thought Brian Price was going to fix the bullpen. What's going on here, Bob? What's Why can't they get it together? Uh, I, you know, it, it's it's really hard to explain. I, I, I don't know because, as I said, these guys, I mean, especially uh, that David Phelps had been really, really good with the Brewers. I mean, he had been – lights out good with the Brewers had, you know, I, I forget his exact numbers, but it was like 18 strikeouts and two walks and nine innings uh, and giving up maybe three or four runs. And, you know, I, it's just, it's really been unexplainable. You know, I guess you got to give it some time. There was certainly pressure on these guys to fix the, the most broken part of this team. Uh, you know, but it, it really, it's going, what's it's going to come down to, this season is going to come down to two things in my mind, how they do in this seven game series, right, right here. And a lot of people are saying, Oh, they got to win five games. I don't think they have to win five games. I think they have to at least win the series at worst, go three and four in these seven games at worst. Uh, but they also, even beyond this series, this, the bullpen needs to get better. It needs to settle down. I mean, you, you, you alluded to Brian price, but Joe Girardi also has the reputation of being a great bullpen manager in his, in his 10 years in New York, the Yankees never had a the Yankees in all 10 of those years had a lower bullpen ERA than they had a starting rotation ERA. And he got a reputation. Obviously he had one of the greatest relief pitchers of all time and had some good, great arms in that pen, but he got a reputation for really being able to handle the bullpen. And I don't pin this on him because it's almost like whichever button he pushes these days is the wrong button. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say to you, Bob, you know, uh, you know, with the first group, it was like, well, these guys aren't ready for the big leagues. You know, we pushed to some guys up too quick injuries, blah, blah, blah. Now we got a new batch, same result. You know, it's too early, I think, for this second group to really draw a conclusion. But, you know, here you've got, let's, let's pick a number, eight guys underperforming out there. Um, you know, is it pitch selection? Is it something you know, what, what can create such a massive mess? I mean, if you just go back to last night, Tommy Hunter hung a breaking ball uh, that got whacked and David Phelps hung a breaking ball that got whacked. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you fix that as a pitching coach. The pitchers have to, to do that. And, and, and sometimes in this game, when things go bad, they snowball. And, you know, it, you know there, there are times when you're going good when you throw that pitch and the guy fouls it off or he just he just misses it and flies out to even deep center field, it just seems like right now if this bullpen makes a mistake, it shows up on their own run averages, and that's, and that's a high number that it's showing up. Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk about something a little more pleasant, uh, somebody who's been a little more pleasant. Uh, the guy who joined the team August 13th, in my opinion, is the most pleasant surprise this season. Alec Bohm looking like he's the real deal, especially in terms of his hitting. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a third overall pick, and you you want your third overall pick to to become a great player. It's too soon to say he's a great player, 
but he sure looks the part of a guy who has a chance to be a great player. He has not been intimidated by, uh, you know, the, the enormity of what he's got involved in. He just, he is a laid back guy who plays the game with a, with a sense of coolness. Um, you know, he, he just doesn't let things get to him. He's the best young hitter I've seen the Phillies have in, in maybe in my entire time. I've been doing this since 1988 off and on uh, covering Phillies. He might be the best young hitter I've ever seen it going to the opposite field. Uh, not, not necessarily for power right now, but just not, not being afraid to hit the ball to right field uh, and, you know, or, or up the middle. You love seeing a young hitter like that because you, you, you do start to think, okay, right now he's just going to right field and he's not driving the ball. But one of these days as he gets more in tune with, you know, what he can and can't do, those balls he hits the right field are going to start going over the wall too. I mean, I, I still think this guy, you know, in a full season could be a 30 to 40 home run hitter. Yeah. I tell you, I I've been on this train from the day they drafted him. I, I love the pick from the beginning. I'm, I'm super excited that they brought him up this early. I, I thought they might not do that, but I, I wanted to ask you, uh, maybe you can lay this rumor to rest. I, I don't know if it's a rumor or not, but uh, the other day when the Phils were playing that Sunday night game and Reese Hoskins was struggling still, and now all of a sudden he's hot. And Kevin Franson made a comment on the radio. I was listening to the game driving somewhere that A-Rod had worked with Hoskins on his swing and was the one who straightened him out. And I didn't hear, I didn't hear the beginning of it. So I don't know what led up to all that, but uh, what, any truth to that that you know of? If Reese has said that, I have not a read it or b uh, heard him say that um, in the times we've talked to him on Zoom calls. Uh, as you know, it's a it's a weird year for everybody. It's a weird year for us where uh, access is not what it normally is. On a, you know, in a, a normal day, you hear something like that, you could walk up to to Reese in, in the clubhouse and say, "Hey, you know, this story is going around," and Reese is among them you know, when that clubhouse is open is always among the most accessible players the Phillies have. And as much as you can be accessible in the zoom call era, uh, he still is, but I, I have not heard him ask that question. Uh, now you guys are discussing whether I have the beat writer. I, I, I am somewhat of a beat writer, but I'm not the main beat writer. So I'm not on all of those calls. And so if he did say it, I didn't hear it and I have not read it either. So. Well, Ke Kevin, Kevin Franson is the one that said it. Right. Um, but I, I, I'll ask Kevin about it next time I see him. Yeah, I do, see, I do get to else. see him at the ballpark. There you go. Well, okay. Uh, so Reese Hoskins has looked better the last three or four weeks. Meanwhile, Bryce Harper has struggled big time the last couple of weeks. He came close last night, but what's going on with Harper all of a sudden? You know, he, he is a guy who's streaky. I mean, it's just, it's, it's his career. It's his career. Uh, path the way he's always been. I mean, I, I I forget what exactly what I was looking up, but I was looking up something about a week or week or two ago about about Bryce. I, I know what I was looking up. I was looking up to see if it was the best start of his career, and it wasn't the best start of his career, but it was one of his best starts. But there were years in there where he had starts just like this, where he ended up hitting 250, uh, you know, and didn't have the great season you might have thought he was going to have. And then there were years where. Uh, he hit, you know, didn't get off to the best. I don't think his MVP year was a, a, one of his great starts, but he soared at a certain point. And I think he's still going to hit again. Uh, you know, he's, 
if Bryce hits 270 for you, you know he's going to have a 380 to 390 on base percentage. And, it, and the home runs, I mean, he just missed hitting a home run yesterday. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to start hitting again. Um, you know, it's going to be weird to judge anybody's season on, off 60 games this year because if, if, when you do go in a cold spell, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's just highlighted even more than it ever is because there's such a short, short season. Hey, Bob, what do you think about Scott Kingery? You know, he was he was sick, I guess, with COVID. He got a little late start. Uh, he's basically played himself out of a job. Yeah, for this year, I think he has. You know, I was thinking about Scott the other day, and, you know, maybe his the, the way he – well, it, it is probably going to be have to be the way he gets himself back on the field, uh, and especially to, in the eyes of Joe Girardi, uh, is is unfortunately for him as the guy who moves around all over the field. And, you know, if he can start hitting, maybe he can get back to a regular position. But for this year, you know, there's no way that you don't go with a Segura, uh, Segura, Bohm, Hoskins, and uh, Didi Gregorius in your infield for the rest of this season. That's, that's what it's got to be. And if he's going to get any at-bats, they're going to come in center field. Uh, where things are unstable right now with Roman Quinn and Kingery out. I mentioned Alec Bohm as a pleasant surprise. The other one for me is Zach Wheeler. I mean, we knew he was, you know, pretty decent. We knew he had the potential to be very good, but he's been great. And he, I think he would have had another three wins, maybe even four had the Phil's bullpen been better. He's looking like a true number starter at the very worst. Yeah. He's, he's really been good. I mean, you, you know, the, the Yankees spent a ton of money that the Phillies weren't going to go spend that much to get Garrett Cole. Uh, and the Phillies pounced early on Zach Wheeler. A lot of people thought they might have overpaid for him. Uh, but as things stand right here, right now, you know, Wheeler has been at least as good as Cole, maybe even better. Uh, and, and, he's, and he's done it for a lot less money than, than Cole's done it. So, uh, you know, we, Matt Klintak takes a lot of heat for moves he's made. Uh, that particular one is a good one. Absolutely. Well, speaking of moves he needs to make, the 150 to $200 million question, what's going on with JT and when are they going to get this done? I don't think JT is going to get done during the season. And if, I, if I'm JT, I've, I've, I've maintained this the, the entire time. If I'm JT, I, you know, you're now, it's the season's – two and a half weeks from being over uh, the regular season, at least. And the, the, the overall season is six and a half weeks from being over. And five days after that, he's a free agent. You're that close to free agency. You probably owe it to yourself to go test the market in some way, shape or form, unless the Phillies are going to, to blow you away. And that doesn't mean that I don't think the Phillies are going to resign him because I think ultimately John Middleton will be the guy who gives him the most money. I do think JT likes playing here. Uh, but if I'm JT, I also, you know, I want to play out to the finish to see whether the Phillies are, uh, you know, that playoff team. He's never been to the playoffs. He was with a lot of bad Marlins teams, um, you know, so the, it, he gets more of a chance. I would take all the time I can to see if the Phillies can get to the playoffs. That would help me if I'm JT to try to make my decision. Obviously, money's going to be the biggest factor uh, and the Phillies are going to have to come up with it. You know, the Mets, obviously, their general manager used to be his agent. So they obviously are going to have some interest. The Phillies are going to have competition. The guy's the best catcher in baseball. There's, I think there's just 
John Middleton likes him too much, and there's too much pressure there uh, for the Phillies not to sign him, especially when you look at what Sixto Sanchez is doing in Miami in the first four starts of his career. I was just going to ask you about that. You mentioned that after this rare day off, the Phils have the extremely rare seven-game series with two doubleheaders down in Miami. And, yeah, they're going to see that Sixto Sanchez, I guess, on Sunday. All he's done, the 22-year-old, is go 2-1, and one, an ERA of 1.80, 25 strikeouts in 25 innings, uh, throwing 100 miles an hour uh, occasionally. Well, I'll tell you, the Phils better resign JT, or that trade is going to look real bad in a year or two. It's it's going to look really, really bad. I mean, Jorge Fowler's had his, his struggles this year. He's hitting yeah. 100 something. And he, you know, he he's another guy who had COVID right out of the right out of the shoot. Um, but it, it'll look awful if, if they don't sign him. I you know I, I loved the first time I saw Sixto Sanchez pitch was in Lakewood, um, and I saw him go five innings and. I, I was wild that night. I mean, he, I was wowed by a couple of things, his velocity, his composure, his, how good his secondary stuff was. He, I think at the time he was 18 years old. And, and I was also, well, there was a dog and pony show going on. You see at minor league ballparks where they're doing one of their little things. And Sixto does not like to waste time. Sixto started, he crossed his arms and he's like, he was ready to pitch. And he's like, all right, are you guys going to go off the field so I can throw the baseball now? Cause he wants to work quick. And uh, I loved watching the kid pitch. I, I, when they got rid of him, I was like, I know JT Ramuto is good, but this one day could come back to haunt the Phillies. Absolutely. Hey, you got to talk about Aaron Nola. Uh, off to a pretty good start. Couple, couple busts along the way, but overall, he's been pretty rock solid. Uh, does it surprise you that he is a pretty much a number one? No, it, it really doesn't. And this goes back to uh, you know the the the. I think it was the second time I saw Aaron Nola pitch was at Reading. Um, and I was on a road trip with the Reading team in 2015, watched a game with the scout. He, I think he went eight and a third innings. And, you know, at that time, the, 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 the thing on Nola was like, ah, he's, he's no more than a three, probably a four. Uh, and I remember saying to Dusty Wathen, who was the Reading manager at the time, you know, a lot of people were saying he's nothing more than a three. You think he could be more? He goes, well, First of all, there's nothing wrong with being a number three in the big leagues. That's pretty good, he said. But I wouldn't put that label on him right now. Let's see what he can be. And he's been a number one. He 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 took a little step back last year. I I you know you, you say he's had some bad. I didn't think he was all that bad on Sunday. He was betrayed a lot by his defense on Sunday. Uh, he he's just Bohm also falls into this category, and and so does Zach Wheeler of guys who just have a tunnel vision and do not let things uh, bother them. Even when things don't go well, they're on to the, they're on to the next thing. They're, they're not going to dwell on, on the bad. Instead, they're going to they're gonna just focus on what's, what's next. And that's one of the things that Nola is really great at. Hey, Bob, not only is JT Real Muto uh, going to have to be re-signed, I believe D.D. Gregorius is on just a one-year deal. So are they going to bring him back next year? Well, D.D. is a little more interesting uh, – because you have Bryson Stott um, mm. at, at the the alternative or the uh, alternate site camp right now. Uh, he he of course was their number one pick last year, and I think the Phillies are hoping he is on a, the same fast track uh, that Alec Bohm was on because he's a college kid. Um, whether he is or not, I don't know. If I'm the Phillies, uh, you know what? I, I might try to get Didi back on a two or three year deal. 
Um, and, you know, let, and I know Bra I, I talked to Brayson Stott uh, last week and he said he's been playing some second base too. Uh, I would let him continue to play second base. And if I'm sure Brayson Stott is a good enough athlete that he could play other spots too. Um, so I wouldn't be quick to get rid of Didi. Let's put it that way, because I, I think he's been a great addition in the clubhouse. He brings power from the left side. Um, I think he's a really good player, so I would not be quick to get rid of him. I would resign him if I could. Okay. Well, Bob, before we run out of time, we have to ask you, game and a half out of first place, headed down the home stretch, uh, where's this team going to finish up? I, I, I think they're going to finish in the playoff picture. It's it, The NL East is so wide open right now. I mean, the Braves are up a game and a half, but they just lost Max, Max Freed, their ace, for – for at least 10 days for the next – so he's gone for the next two weeks. The rest of their starting rotation has a 7.09 ERA. It's as bad as the Phillies' bullpen, their rotation that they have. So I, I can see him catching the Braves, although the Braves do have the benefit. They don't have any doubleheaders left to play. Uh, you're going to find out a lot right here in these seven games against the Marlins, as we, we already talked about. I don't see the Nats getting – recovered enough this year to, for it to happen for them. And, you know, there's a bunch of teams right at that 500 mark. I think if the Phillies go and win at least three games this weekend in, in Florida, they're going to be a playoff team. I think that's the key is to win at least three, win four or five. They're going to definitely be in. I have one final thing, Bob. Uh, when he saw that you were going to be on, your Inquirer.com colleague, Frank Fitzpatrick, said, ask Brookie about Mike Harkey or Steve Lake. Do you know what he's referring to? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Harkey is, Mike Harkey is one of Frank's old jokes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the Steve Lake story right now, but the Mike Harkey <laughs> – one day when Frank and I covered the team together, I was at the Courier Post in Camden and he was at the Inquirer. He turned to me and he, he, he had this key in front of him. He's like, what's that? Who's that? And I'm like, I don't know. Frank, it's your keys. What, what are you showing me? It's my car key. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the worst. <laughs> that sounds like Frank. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, hey Bob, we have run out of time. We appreciate you coming by. Great stuff, great insight as always. And uh hope we get to talk more baseball uh in October. I hope so. All right. Thanks for joining us. All right, take care, guys. Thanks, Bob. All right. Hey Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. So call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, um, on Thursday, it marks birthday number 70 for the guitar player who's heard right here, Aerosmith, Joe Perry. As you may know, I'm a big fan of Aerosmith. Saw them five times. Oh, that's a classic. Classic song right there. You, you certainly picked a good one out of many, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
All right. Hey, Chet, just a reminder, our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame broadcaster voting is underway. We were a little, got a little delayed, a little technical issues, got it resolved. Uh, the problem was we couldn't figure out how to get that multiple vote thing out of there where we got crashed. But we got it fixed. Uh, we're going to let it go for another week. The votes are coming in. Um, let's see how it goes. Yeah, now here's the deal. We got five guys on the battle. Let's see if I have all their pictures here this week. We have longtime Phil's PA man, Dan Baker. We love Dan. Hope he's doing better. We miss Dan. Also on the ballot. God, I'm so confused here. Not him, not him. Okay, we have Lou Nolan, the longtime Flyers PA man. Lou Nolan. Speaking of a great PA man, there's two of them right there. A guy who's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the show Merrill Reese, 44 years behind the ra uh, radio mic for the Eagles. He's on our ballot. Mark Zumoff, Sixers play-by-play -play man the last 25, now 26 seasons, I guess. And the late, great Bill Campbell, a guy who could do it all when it came to sports casting. So there are your five. Get your votes in. They're coming in, and uh, keep them coming. you got another week. Yep, yep. Looking forward to see uh, how it comes out. There is one of them that's uh, leading the pack pretty well right now, but that could change pretty quick. Yes, indeed. So uh, right. it's easy to vote. Get get your votes in. Yep. It's posted on our, our Philly Press Box Facebook page. It's on our Philly Press Box radio website. And then also we've been sharing it to our personal uh, Facebook pages. So plenty of places. Just click on it. Takes you to the, art, to the link and boom, cast your vote. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, we mentioned the Flyers in the lead. Uh, lead in, they made a seven game run at the Islanders, falling behind three to one in that series, right out of gas in game seven. Yeah, how the heck do you come up with a clunker like the Flyers did in a seventh game? I mean, give credit to the Islanders, they were clearly the better team, not only in game seven, but really over the whole series. The Flyers had to win the three games that they won in overtime, they were outplayed in a couple of those, but uh, they just had nothing Saturday night. As you said, the legs looked like they weren't there. Many players underperformed, not just in Game 7, but for the series. I'm not going to mention any names at all. I'm just saying a lot of guys, very disappointing. What's your take? Well, you know, I think the, the thing about a series like that is you use up so much energy. Um, they, they were clearly outplayed in probably most of all seven games, or all six games leading into the seventh, yeah. and managed to, you know, the, a lot's been said about the, the leadership and some of those players not doing some of the things they were supposed to do. I kind of look at it the other way. The fact that they got to game seven was an accomplishment in my mind because uh, they were up against a better hockey team. And, uh, uh, you know, how that happens, I don't know. But what we do know, Chet, is Carter Hart is for real. And we have something to build on. And we got a young nucleus uh, to come along as well. So we've got some, we got a lot of positives. Yeah, that is the one thing. Like you said, Carter Hart's going to be there, hopefully for the next 10 or 15 years, if all goes well. They do have some young talent, some older guys, too, who may or may not be there next year. I know a lot of fans are saying it's time to part ways with some of those older veterans. Um, Nolan Patrick, we haven't mentioned. He missed this entire season with the migraines. I didn't even hear anything on him in terms of an update. So I don't know if uh, he's making progress or not. They said he was a few months ago, and now I've heard nothing. So hopefully he'll come right. back healthy. Yeah, he, ne he never made it to the bubble or anything like that that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, we also have Morgan Frost down in the farm that uh, we're getting ready and expecting goals to come from him. Uh, a lot of young players, uh, good ones down there. The defense, those young defensemen got exposed in that series, I felt like, and uh, 
they certainly need to get better back there. They left that back side of that goal open all series long, and the Islanders didn't miss it often. And we talked about it last week before he actually played the game, but how great was it to see Oscar Lindblom in games on uh, Thursday and Saturday? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to, to, the, uh, to the Flyers' credit, I mean, I don't think that was a gift. They, you know, Oscar was ready to play or they wouldn't have played him. It wasn't a sentimental, uh, let's throw a guy out there and maybe it'll boost us. They thought he was ready to go and credit to him for working so hard and obviously blessed to be healthy. Uh, but credit to the Flyers for putting him out there. And discredit to Elaine Vigneault. He went to the Andy Reid School of Challenges, 0 for 3 on challenges in the series. Well, you know what, though, Chet, doggone, the first two, he was right. He was yeah. right. You know, that, especially the, well, both of the first two, the one that was in the goalie's pad between the pad and escape was in the net. I mean, you know, the third one now, that one, he put his team in a jam. He, he that was a bad one. Yeah. The third one. And but the, the first two, the offsides was offsides. See, I'm not so sure about the offsides. Cause like even the picture you sent me, I didn't think it was clear where the puck was in the picture. So I, I looked at it a couple of times. I didn't think it was that obvious. I, so. I actually thought it was offsides with my naked eye. When I wow. saw it the first time, I said, that's offsides. Okay. But, it was certainly close, but you know, I, I think in a, in a case like that, you got to be pretty darn sure before you put your team in a hole and it, it, it put them in the hole in the, in the, other game when they scored a goal and then came back and scored another goal and all of a sudden they're out. It's over. So who are you rooting for now in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs? Um, well, I'll tell you what, Chet, having spent so much time in the Tampa Bay area, they are the most useless fans to ever come along. <laughs> Front runners like you've never seen before. Uh, they, you know, they get 5,000 people at a game. Now they're in the playoffs that so they sell out the building when, you know, when this happened before. Uh, now I'm not, I'm not a Tampa Bay fan, uh, because they're just front runners. So and I, I can't, I can't root for the Islanders either though. So you go from who's, who's even playing the wise is it Vegas and somebody Vegas and, uh, I'm totally out of it with the Western conference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, good run. We got to get better. And, uh, heck, I, I want to see the schedule. They, they're not going to be back in camp in like a month or something. Yeah. Are they on the regular schedule? Are they going to open camp again in a few weeks and then start play like Halloween or whatever? I don't even know. Well, well they not, they can't if they can't go back to their arenas, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, so. I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, Chet, the NFL season starts tomorrow night. The Eagles face the Washington Redskins. Oops. Oops, the Washington <laughs> football team in Washington. Uh, there's just no buzz about this season, Chet. It's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is 2020, so it's just a reflection, I think, of the pandemic. People focused on other things. The protests, as you know, have turned a lot of people off. And, of course, there won't be any fans at the link and most other stadiums. So put it all together, and, yeah, it's something of a buzzkill here this year. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't even look like as you, you cruise through your normal uh, local papers on the internet, it just doesn't seem like it's got the reporters, doesn't have the number of reporters, the number of articles. Of course, uh, as Bob said, you don't have access to these guys. So obviously there's not as much to, to write about. So, and, and the only thing you really get to know is what the team's telling you in regards to these injuries. Um, 
Jalen Rager, we, we think he's back. He wasn't supposed to be back. Miles Sanders, we don't really know about. So interesting stuff right there. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to get pulled in, though. When Sunday at 1 o'clock rolls around, I'll be there in front of the TV with uh, an expensive craft beer, and I'll be watching. Well, I might be having an expensive craft beer, but there's a real good chance I won't be watching. But <laughs> wow. we'll, we'll talk Whoa. about that. All right, well, hey, let's move on. We'll get to that a little bit later. Hey, you had a chance to sit down with the legendary voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. Just, oh. Merrill's fired up for the season. Well, you know, Merrill turned 78 last week, Bill, and even with everything you and I mentioned, it is Eagles football, so of course, Merrill is ready. Uh, let's play it. Here's our chat. This being 2020, we weren't sure it would actually happen, but yeah, another NFL season is upon us, and that means it's time for our annual season preview chat with the radio voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. Welcome back, Merrill. Thank you, Jim. I'm always happy to be with you. All right. You're about to begin season number 44 behind the mic, but this one is obviously different. Thanks to the pandemic and limited access to practices and the team in general, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect. I heard you say on your WBCB show the other day that you actually missed having preseason games. You know, I always love preseason games. Stan Walters used to say, when are these things going to end? And that was after one quarter of the first game. But I always love them. I do because I go out to camp every day and I watch the young players battle for roster spots. And then I get to see them translate what they're doing out there in the practice field into an NFL format. And that's the thing. I'm not saying that you need four preseason games. Actually, you know what, Jim? In my first year broadcasting the games back in 1977, we had a Hall of Fame game. The Eagles were in the Hall of Fame game against the Dolphins. And then six preseason games. So we had seven preseason games and then the season. Now that's too much. I'm not even sure four are necessary, but I don't think you should have less than three. I think you need that. I mean, how could a guy like Jalen Rayer, for example, now he's, he's not ready to go right now and he might be for another week or so, but how could a guy like that go directly from TCU to the practice field to the NFL at game speed? It's just such a big, big transition. They need to step on an NFL field, even as it's a preseason game. So I think for all of them, I mean, especially the quarterbacks, I see Cincinnati's going to start from day one. Joe Barrow, the number one pick of the entire NFL draft, good luck. I mean, he was a great college player at LSU, but good luck. This is the NFL. Oh, yeah. Well, last year when we talked, we were both excited about the many weapons the Birds had on offense, but thanks to injuries and a certain rookie wideout not catching on the way we thought he might, it didn't work out so well. But from what a lot of reporters have been saying, Deshaun Jackson seems to be healthy. The young guys like well, Greg Ward, who you like, plus J.J. Arthega-Whiteside and rookies Rager before the injury, and John Hightower have all looked real good. Is that the case? It, it is the case, but what was it that Buddy Ryan said? Durability is as important as ability, and we have to see Deshaun Jackson stay on the field for more than a game and a half, and for that matter, at least 12 games. And, and that's the big question. The remarkable thing about him is he is incredibly gifted, and he doesn't look as if he's lost a step. But the durability factor is very, very much a concern. 
Yeah, we know that from looking at the offensive line. Season-ending injuries to Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks. I know Brooks is still hoping to get back late in the season, but we'll see. Apparently, Jason Peters now will move back to left tackle, but he's 38 and often doesn't make it through a full game. And for now, his backups are Jordan Mailata and right guard Matt Pryor. Am I right to be worried, Merrill? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to be honest? Yes. But you know what? I think there are 31 NFL, other NFL coaches who have major concerns right now. And that includes Andy Reid, who's coming off the Super Bowl with an all-world quarterback. I'll bet you there are 14 things going through Andy's mind right now that he is legitimately concerned about. It's just a fact of life in the NFL. And there are players that go down and things that you don't expect. And this year is totally different than any other year. So there's a lot to be concerned about. But I think because of the injuries you cited, and the uncertainty and the mix-and-match status that they're going through, that the Eagles' offensive line is a legitimate concern going into the season. All right. Well, assuming the O-line does come together, what are you expecting from Carson Wentz here in year five? I think he should have his best year. I think he is mature. I think he's healthy. I think he's smart. I think he's a leader. I think he's all of those things. I think he is capable of being a top-five quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like Miles Sanders will get the bulk of the work at running back. He was certainly impressive as a rookie, was he not? Oh, very much so. But when you say the bulk, I don't think any back is going to carry the ball 25 times a game. I think that you're going to see Miles Sanders as the the bell cow back, so to speak. But I think you're going to see a heavy mix of Boston Scott and Corey Clement. Hey, getting back to the quarterback position, uh, controversial second-round pick this year, Jalen Hurts. Do you think we're going to see him at all in in some fashion on the field? That's a really good question. That's why I was less than yelling hurrah when they drafted him because I knew that it would be a different year, particularly for a quarterback who wouldn't have an offseason, the prospects of no preseason games. I mean, I think Sunday when they line up, it's got to be Nate Sunfeld, the backup quarterback, because of the inexperience. Now, that being said, I think the Eagles got a really good one, and I think long-range you should have two very, very capable quarterbacks who can go win uh, for a long period of time. Again, I, I like a lot of things about Nate Sunfeld, but if they were that sure that he was the backup that they wanted long-range, they wouldn't have drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. But Hurts is, is really a first-round talent, and I think he's going to be very special. But uh, his day isn't about to come too soon, and he's not a slash. I don't think maybe. I mean, they, you know, Doug likes to do some crazy things from time to time, as we do with the Philly special. So maybe at some point they will throw him out there for a couple of things, but uh, it's not why he's here. On the other side of the ball, there are some questions, certainly, but the D-line with the veterans Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, newcomer Javon Hargrave, a healthy Malik Jackson, plus you know Derek Barnett, Vinnie Curry, and Josh Sweat all in the mix, could be one of the best lines in the league. I think it is. I think it is. And I think that the guy who's going to benefit the most is Fletcher Cox, uh, especially if Hargrave is healthy and you have Malik Jackson and you have Brandon Graham coming in from the other side. I think that uh, that's going to keep double-teaming away from Fletcher Cox, and I think he's going to terrorize backfields. Now, in the secondary, Malcolm Jenkins is gone. They're going to miss his leadership, but Darius Slay is here, and he's a nice addition, is he not? He is. He is. He's the first shutdown corner they've had, I think, since Troy Vincent. Some may say Asante Samuel, but Asante Samuel was really a ball hawk rather than a shutdown corner. 
I think Slay can be a shutdown corner. Hey, what is the plan for you and Mike Quick in this strange 2020 season? Will you guys be in your normal spots in the booth at the link as well as for all road games or what? No, we will not. For the home games, we're going to be one level down in a suite, an open suite, and we will be closer to the field than ever before. Also on the 50-yard line, it's the best seat I've ever had for a football game, Mm -hmm. but it's large. Mike will be four seats to my right. Then next to me is my spotter, Billy Werndale, but we will be separated by plexiglass. Our statistician will be in a row behind us, typing in things into a screen. And even my producer, Joe McPeak, will have plexiglass in front of him and the uh, the drop-ins, all of those little messages you like to hear, will be, instead of handed to me on cards, will be typed on a screen. For the away games, we will be in that same booth, although one row back and two 60-inch monitors will be on that front desk. Aha. Uh-huh. How strange is it going to be, by the way, calling games with no fans in the stands at the link? Very strange. Uh, although I think we will have crowd noise fed to us. Now, game one is down at FedEx Field. You won't be there, but you'll be you know, calling the game. Home of the Washington football team. What's the over-under, Merrill, and how many times are you going to slip up and say Redskins? I don't know. I, I, I haven't said it yet in this this interview. So that's, that's, <laughs> the fir- that's a first for me. I think I'm going to put a, a little bowl and tell Mike Quick that every time we use the R word, we have to contribute $5 into the bowl. That'll keep me quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, both Washington and the Giants should be improved this year, but do you see the NFC East again coming down to either the Eagles or Cowboys? Absolutely. And I think the Eagles have a big advantage having the same coach and the same defensive coordinator and the same systems, while the other three have new coaches in those positions, and the Giants have a first-time head coach. Hey, one last thing. You mentioned Andy Reid earlier. How happy were you for Andy last February? Very. Andy's a, Andy's a great guy, and he will always be one of my favorite people. And I could not be happier after all these 14 years here and the five NFC Championship games, and this was his second trip to the Super Bowl. He is deserving. He's a wonderful coach. This will guarantee that he goes to the Hall of Fame. I could not be happier for Andy Reid. He's a great guy, and he deserves every minute of every bit of it. He's very special. I'm with you. And you're pretty special too, Merrill. Thanks for doing this for a sixth straight season here on Philly Press Box Radio. Always great to get your insight. Have a great season and go birds. Thank you, Jim. It's always fun to speak with you. Hey, what, man? I just hope that when I reach 78 years old, if I make 78 years old, that I am as energetic and fired up as him. He sounds like he's still 48 years old. He does, man. 44 years now behind the mic and uh, still sharp as a tack. And, boy, I hope that, you know, the Eagles do well this season because Merrill is great all the time. But when the Eagles are playing well and contending, he's even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this thing all plays out uh, from the personal standpoint. I'm not so sure. All right. Hey, let's welcome back Freddie Burns. To talk fantasy football, we'll make some fearless NFL picks. Freddie, welcome back. It's Freddie Burns this year, not Fred Hugo. Same guy. Different <laughs> show. Hey, Freddie. What's going on, guys? How are right. you? Time out. I got to do something right here. Okay, proceed. Now we can get going. Fred, welcome back, my man. Uh, Tell us what you think. The Eagles are getting ready to start. All your fantasy football uh, 
teams are picked. I saw you picked your last one. Was that last night, I guess? Yeah, that's uh, the Edge of Philly one. Yep. Yeah, go ahead and uh, lay it out. Tell us what you think about the season first, not your prediction. We'll get that to the end. But then uh, jump in and grab your fantasy football works. Yeah, uh, it, it's tough week one with fantasy because you really don't know. You, you kind of base it off last year's defenses and try to figure it out that way. But, you know, you have your rankings going into the draft and then you have your sleeper picks, the guys you think that may pan out. Um, I wouldn't advise starting them guys week one because they're sleeper picks for a reason. You don't know. They may or may not hit. So stick to your main guys, your Patrick Mahomes, your Lamar Jackson. You know, one guy I do like that's a starting quarterback is Phillip Rivers. I think he's going to have a nice year, and that'll start week one with the Colts uh, if we're talking quarterbacks. You guys had asked me, I think it was last week, was it last week? Yeah, last week, about my, my sleeper pick that I really liked. And uh, I said Antonio Gibson of the Washington Redskins. Well, lo and behold, the next day or two days later, Adrian Peterson gets cut. So I would say, especially in a PPR league, he's a guy you want to look at to play in like a flex type position. Um, but other than that, you just start with your, your normal starting running backs. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, he should have a good game against the Rams. Move over to receiver. Um, you got, oh, I'm drawing a blank here. Oh, my gosh. Brandon Cooks, With uh, now that he's over with the Texans, he moves into that number one role with the Texans. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but their defense wasn't the greatest all year. Um, that's a good matchup. I also want to see Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins to see how that goes as well. There's a ton of football. I'm just happy it's back. Um, as the season progresses, it'll get easier with making the picks on who to start. But I would just say go with your your regular starters for week one. All right. Well, I, I tell you one guy that I'm really interested to see, uh, Fred, and that's Lamar Jackson. You know, there, there's been guys that have been multi-purpose in the past. Uh, NFL coordinators have a way of making those guys become one-dimensional. Uh, they're, they're great coaches, those coordinators. Um, whether Lamar Jackson is able to duplicate what he did last year, if he now has to become more of a thrower and less of a runner, I think is, is going to be really interesting. He, he's not going to run around the field this year like he did last year, I don't think. I agree with you. I, and I think his throwing, because I predict, I thought last year he wasn't going to pan out. I thought they had caught on to him for the year before. All he was was the runner. But he did prove that he could throw the ball a little bit mm-hmm. there. So, We'll see what happens there. I, I agree with you. I'll be interested to see if these defenses adjust even more that he, he gets no, no running. Um, staying on the Ravens, though, another guy you made me think of, Mark Ingram's the, the number one back. I'm very curious to see J.K. Dobbins to take over that role eventually and be, be the guy at, as the season progresses. Shall we get to our week one picks, guys? Are you ready for it? Let's do it. We're going to go with uh... – for, I don't know if the chat gave you a heads up on this, Fred, or not. We might be catching you blind here. But we're going Steelers minus four and a half at the Giants. Cowboys minus two and a half at the Rams. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is our bonus game at New Orleans. The Saints are minus three and a half. And then we have the Eagles at minus six against the Washington Redskins. Oops, oops, sorry. There you Washington go. You did that on purpose. You did that on purpose. Who are you kidding? Yes, I did. So, <laughs> who you like, Fred? We'll start out. We'll go Fred first, then Chet, then me. We got Steelers minus four and a half at the Giants. I think you're going to see a better Giants football team this year. I think Daniel Jones may progress into a, to a good quarterback, but I think the Steelers are healthy now. 
you got Roethlisberger back fully healthy, uh, James Conner, et cetera, Deontay Johnson, and then you got Juju. I, I don't – I think they beat the Giants week one. It might be close. I think high scoring possibly, but uh, I'm going Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I don't think the Steelers are going to be great, but we know the Giants aren't going to be great. So uh, even though they're home, got to take the Steelers in this one. There, there's a lot of people that are picking the Steelers to be great. I was actually a little surprised that I saw some people picking them, you know, with a chance to go deep. I, I'm going to go Steelers anyway just because the Giants are still the Giants, and now Jason Garrett's called plays. <laughs> That's true. All right, Cowboys minus two and a half. At the Rams, and Jason Garrett is not calling plays for the Cowboys. I think uh, I Mike McCarthy has a supposed new revamped offense. I, this is the thing. We didn't see anything. We haven't seen any preseason. We don't know. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. I think Goff is going to continue to decline. And I think the Cowboys' defense, though they lost some guys, it'll be enough to hold on. I, I think they beat the Rams. Well, yeah, and you know what's funny? They're playing in a brand-new stadium out there, both the Rams and the Chargers, and no fans are allowed. So I kind of feel bad for the few fans that the Rams do actually have out there. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, I hate picking the Cowboys, you know it, but I have to. Dallas minus 2.5. Dallas is going to win this one and cover. So, uh, well, they're minus 2.5, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, Dallas is going to win. Cowboys, week one winners. Yeah, and, you know, I hate to agree with you guys, but funny, Fred, that you said about golf. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of along the same line. I'm, uh, that whole Wonder Boy thing out there, I, I think it might have gone its course, too. Um, we'll see. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and I think you'll see a big dose of uh, Ezekiel Elliott in game one. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady against New Orleans. At New Orleans, the Saints minus three and a half in this one. I read a cool article about Brady learning Bruce Arians verbiage compared to Belichick's and how much it's took him 19 years to, to actually have to do this. Um, the Saints defense, defensive backs, they got Malcolm Jenkins now, who, who has aged but still played at a decent level last year. I'm going to take the Saints here. I, I think I, – I the, the Bucs are going to be good, and Brady may have a good year probably, but I think it's going to take some time to get rolling. They've had no preseason, no time to, to gel. I'm going to go Saints. Yeah, I have no idea who to pick in this one, but because of that, I just went with the home team. I don't know how much Brady's got left, but it's going to be fun to watch he and Gronk and, you know, everybody else down there. But uh, I'm taking the home team in this one. New Orleans wins. I am going with Tampa Bay, Ooh. and it's not going to be close. And if it is close, the one guy that he does know is Gronk. And Gronk's is always his out guy. So if it is close, it's Gronk's going to score the touchdown. Tampa Bay was good with Jameis Winston throwing 30, 30 interceptions, 33 interceptions, whatever it was. They were good in spite of him until he finally passed them out of the playoffs. With Brady and these weapons, Tampa Bay is going to be really, really good. And they have a good defense. Wow. Okay. There it is. All right. And that gets us to the Eagles minus six at Washington. I'm so scared about this game. And I've seen as low as five and a half some places yeah. as well. Me too. Um, you know, I think the Eagles defense isn't going to come out and give up set whatever it was. It was 17, nothing last year. It's new guys. Uh, the, the, the defensive backfield is completely overhauled. Fletcher Cox is healthy. 
I'm very concerned about this offensive line. Lane Johnson, you don't know if he's going to play now. And Peters, even if he's at tackle, we talked about. Actually, he actually decided to move over to tackle. Thanks for being a team player. (laughs) I I hate to do this. I'm going to pick the Washington Redskins to win this game in a close one. I, I'm just I, – I, I'm seeing the nightmares of Carson running. Everyone's going to blame Carson. It's not going to be his fault at all. He's going to be running for his life. The only thing, way the Eagles can win this is by running the football. But I think if, if the Eagles do win, it'll be the giant, the Redskins cover. But I'm going to take the Redskins. All right, first of all, you're both getting fined for keep saying Redskins. You both said it like four <laughs> times now. Sorry. Stop it. It's the Washington football team. Come on, get it right. I, I, I did not do it on purpose, but I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to do it forever. Bill, Bill's just a troublemaker. <laughs> I'm worried about this game too. Uh, yeah, the line went down from six to five and a half. I think it, I heard it might even go down to five. The Lane Johnson thing is a real concern, and if he's not going to play, then I'm really, 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 really worried. But I'm going to assume he's going to be out there. He's not going to miss week one if he's, you know, even 60%. So I'm going to say the Eagles are going to have enough to get by. It's going to be a sloppy game. It's going to be low scoring. I have it Eagles 16, the Washington football team 13. Well, I'm going to go Eagles. It's it, it, You're right, though. It's going to be a slop fest. I feel pretty sure of that. Uh, but I think the Eagles, they still have too many weapons compared to Washington. I just don't think that, that the Redskins, the Washington, is, I didn't do that on purpose. Um, I just don't think they have enough weapons yet. Ron Rivera's new. Um, he's trying to get it together. He's got his own medical issues. He's not at practice sometimes now. Um, I, I just don't, I just think the Eagles are stronger than, than, they are and i'm going to stick with the eagles on game one let's see what happens you know again we don't know who's even going to show up got a score that's right that's right score okay so before we let fred go uh we're going to make a prediction what's the eagles record going to be fred oh man i forgot about this part i'm gonna go uh, I'm te- I'm going to be a homer a little bit. I'm thinking nine and seven, but I'm going to go 10 and six. Ooh, Fred says 10 and six. I, I wrote down right here, nine and seven, not sure about postseason or not, but I have them going nine and seven. It's going to be, uh, close. I'm going to say they're going to be nine and seven also. And the reason that I'm saying nine and seven, I want to say 10 or more, um, uh, Defensive backfield, still the defensive backfield. You know, don't know what's back there. Um, shuffling the deck with with players. Jenkins gone. Um, that's a big loss. Uh, offensively, I think they're going to be okay if they're healthy. Um, Wentz is going to be good. Uh, but I just don't know if they have enough defense to pull this thing off. They they got a lot of a lot of question marks to me. And by the way, they still have no linebackers. They don't need them. Linebackers don't matter anymore, Bill. No, they they do when uh, in some places, but yeah, they don't well, seem to in Philadelphia. What is with All that? Right, like, uh, we'll ne- I have no we'll idea. Never have Fred. linebackers. Like we are our, our starting linebacker. Our main guy's Nathan Jerry. He's a safety. They convert it. They just love like since Mark Simino. They, it kills me. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chad. Anything else for Fred before we let him go? Get out of here, Fred. Peace. <laughs> go birds. <laughs> I got one thing for you, Fred. Uh-oh. Oh, what's up? Where can people find you? 
Catch up on all what you got going on. Freddie Burns on Facebook, and you can find me on Edge of Philly Sports, the website. I have articles all year, Fantasy, Eagles, and we got a show tonight at 930 that you can see on Facebook as well. All right? Uh-oh. All right. Guy. Thanks, Fred. See you guys. Thanks, Fred. Hey, Chet, great guest tonight. And Bob Brook over at Merle Reese. Who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? And we have a schedule modification for next week, too. We need to get out there. Yeah, we're going to be on Tuesday night next week. Tuesday, not Wednesday. So Tuesday at 7, and we're going to talk more Eagles football, hopefully about a week one victory with one of our many football expert-type guests. It's a guy we haven't talked to since last March, right about the time the pandemic was hitting the U.S. hard. Uh, lo and behold, we're still in it, but I digress again. He runs Bleeding Green Nation. His name is Brandon Lee Gowton. Always great to talk to BLG+. Plus, We will announce our broadcaster Hall of Fame inductee for real this time. And Freddie Burns will be back for more fantasy football talk, and the three of us will see how we did in week one, and then we'll make our week two picks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, Chet, we do have to give a plug before we go. We won't go into all the details of our website, but uh, the YouTube channel is up and running. We keep posting some more things up there. We need people to like it and follow it, and uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Yes, and a matter of fact, the interview with Merrill will be on there later this evening. So uh, in case you missed it right now, you're busy, whatever, and you just want to see Merrill, we're going to have that up later on YouTube. And don't forget, if you want a fabulous Philly Press Box Radio t-shirt like Bill is wearing, go to our website and order it. Just message us. We'll get it out to you. Uh, there you go. All right. How about a parting shot for you? Because we're running out of time. We are. You know what, Bill? Uh, sad to see right after our show ended last week that we lost Tom Seaver. And then a couple of days ago, we lost Lou Brock, a couple of great baseball Hall of Famers. And uh, as you said, Lou Brock apparently was a great guy as well. And it was 23 years ago today, as you noted on Facebook, that Richie Ashburn left us. So another baseball great. And it was Roberto Clemente Day today. Yes, in Pittsburgh, they are celebrating that today in PNC Park, although no fans were in the stands to see it. And speaking of celebrating, Bill, we talked about this over the weekend on Facebook. This lady doesn't look like this anymore, but Raquel <laughs> Welsh turned 80 years old <laughs> over the weekend. This is how she looked in 1966 and 1980. This one picture over here, this was in Playboy, and I don't ever read that magazine, of course, but I did manage to see those pictures. Uh-huh. I thought that was her <laughs> the other day on her 80th birthday. No, uh, no, not quite. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up, Chet. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Bob Brookover and Merle Reese, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, and Chris Furman on the controls tonight. Great job. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio Tuesday, September 15th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. With that, let's say high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go birds. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.